It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. Hello and welcome to The Plodcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country File magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of this podcast and I'd like to wish a Merry Christmas to all our thousands of listeners in the UK and around the world because this is our Christmas special where for one lucky afternoon I was able to gather with my podcast team of Hannah Tribe and Jack Bateman and invite regular podcast contributors Annabelle Ross and Kevin Parr for a look back at the year we've had out in the wilds, recording nature and meeting some fabulous guests. Plus, we could open some crackers and a bottle of fizz and plan some audio adventures to capture the most magical sounds of nature in 2022. So please join me now and the team for a bit of festive fun. And don't forget, you can contact me via my email, editor at countryfile.com. We love hearing from you. And please don't hesitate to send us suggestions for podcast ideas in the year ahead. And welcome to the Country Farm Magazine podcast, and it's the Christmas special. And as you can hear, second bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jack. Uh, So, as you can hear, Jack's in the studio, also Hannah, but also tremendously exciting, Annabelle Ross and Kevin Parr, who have been our regular contributors over the past year. And I'm delighted to, to, well, delighted to have you here. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you very much. Christmas. Nice Um, to be in the fold. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Well, you know, you're part of the team. It's been, you know. Done, both of you have done a fair few recordings for us over the past 12 months. And, well, it's just very nice to actually gather physically in one place. And I'm doing this sort of thing at the moment, which is filling glasses. For the sound the... effects. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well done, Fergus. I wonder if I can get the sound of bubbles. 
it's a really, really well-earned glass of fizz, this, because we've had a really good year, and it's just very nice. To, we're going to just have a bit of chat, really, about the year we've had, some of our highlights, and perhaps point new listeners to some old episodes that are really worth listening to. I've got a game as well, actually. You've got Ooh. a game for us to play? Yeah. Oh, it's, only, it's not very good. How much booze do we have to drink first? <laughs> not, no, very little. And it could be over in seconds. Ah, okay. I just thought about it on the way up. It's like it, ah. there's a, a thing you ever watch House of Games. There's a game yeah. on that that it's vaguely similar. I thought you were going to say Squid Game for a minute. Squid Game, yeah. Well, that's, that's the one after we've had the second one. <laughs> no, 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 cloudy no. Cider. <laughs> and then we go Squid Game. This is definitely my only Christmas party. Same party. Here. I mean, I don't have... It might be mine as well. ...any yeah. other... So that's thank that. you very cheers. much. Yeah, cheers. 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 Thank you. And cheers to you. Ting. Oh, yeah. Really muted. Hold that like the end. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it my fault? That was still that's terrible. That's rubbish. Yeah. So you've pre recorded ding here. Yes. <laughs> Should yes. I try that again? So, Kev, you've travelled up from Dorset. I have. We're in Bristol. And Annabelle, you've come from. Uh, Redland, just, Redland, Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> Bristol, just a, just a few minutes away. So yeah. yes, this is probably our only Christmas party because as we speak, the restrictions are coming in, um, but we've managed to get out and about this year. Quite surprisingly, we've got quite far afield from the sort of wilds of northern Scotland to the heaths of Dorset to the sodden wastes of the Severn Estuary looking for eels, which is... Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But don't you remember, Fergus, I did give you a bit of a challenging edit at once during COVID. We experimented a bit and I interviewed George McGavin on his phone. Yes, that's, that, was, that was probably last year, wasn't it? That was right at the beginning of lockdown. Of lockdown. And we, we didn't know how to do outside podcasts effectively with a guest. I mean, it kind of worked. Well, we managed a bit, but it came sort of in and out of signal, I think, didn't it? Yeah. So it wasn't ideal. It's a shame because it could have been really fun if we did more of those. It could have been a real... Well, it was a cracker because it was really entertaining. <laughs> yeah, we should... We should uh, I don't, I, um, insect expert. So he was just yeah. rummaging through a hedgerow, wasn't he? Just, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was like the, um, a micro cast because he only probably walked 10 feet. <laughs> From and, his house. Yeah. And then hardly went up the hedgerow, but he was just so excited to find yeah. um, so many things within a short distance, which is one of the joys of kind of... It's like your podcast, Kev, that you did with um, John Wright, which yeah. you just published. Number 127. 127, yeah. Uh, classic. <laughs> of course. And, and he, yeah, he was an, another complete expert on things. Well, from what you were saying, he loved the, the fungi because there's so many of them. yeah complexities and was and, and collected specimens that he loved the idea that he didn't know what something was and he yeah. was going off home and he was quite excited that's why he, he said at the start I don't know if it, but his car did did whiff a bit of very mouldy funky <laughs> <laughs> it's growing in his car yeah, really there's cool. just all sorts of things well, he, he collects collect. them then and then he sort of yeah, and then takes them. them home and studies and then works out he's got a couple of hundred books which you'll cross reference oh. oh what a magnificent life to lead wasn't it's it you brilliant. who read Melvin Sheldrake's just now? Was it you, Fergus? Yes, yes. That's you finished right. it? Yeah, fantastic. Have you book. read it? No, I've got it at home. It's on my list, actually. Mm. I'm going to... Yeah, that's that's probably the book of the year. One of one of my books of the year. If mm. we can make, we could do a segment on books of the year. <laughs> no. I've, I've just read Rogue Mail, like, 17 Rogue, times. Rogue Mail is a good book to... Yeah, it always is. <laughs> what is it? Rogue Mail. 
Rogue male. Yeah. Oh right. M A L E. Yeah. Male as in yeah. Or Fergus. That's, that's <laughs> um, set down my mind. Ah. So it's in the 1940s, I want to say. Um, and you never, so it's first person narrated, um, a gentleman, um, oh, how do you describe it? Um, he's basically on the run because of something he tr may or may not have tried to do in Europe. Um, but it's also about nature and survival and living like an animal and noticing things in nature and it's just Wonderful. it's just brilliant yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna write that down yeah. it's an assassination attempt isn't it failed assassination well attempt ends on the run or is that am i that's are that's, you ruining the story yeah or? sort of am i oh, well no, well no so it starts off with that, that right but it's like he <laughs> isn't really sure if he ever meant to oh i see at the beginning. Yeah, that bit at the end where his twin brother turns up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get the message. It's only, it's only like this this thick, but it's just absolutely full of that kind of stoic Englishman, but the depth of his emotions as well. It's Do you think amazing. we should, in a, in a podcast in early um, 2022, could you do a reading from it? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, that would be one to get Martin Maudsley onto. Cause... He has done a podcast on Rogue Mail. Yeah. yeah. He has done one for us. On what the... number is that? <sighs> Whilst we're looking at numbers, um, the George McGavin episode was 70. Yes. 70. Back on the 18th of August last year. That's ridiculous. It's weird when you think the life of the Country Fire podcast, two out of the three years we've been in, no. in some form of like lockdown, the pandemic. Oh my goodness. And we never, never gave up. Never gave up. No. Still went through. I wonder whether lockdown has helped us actually because of people wanting to get a taste of the outdoors when they've been constrained. I, I certainly saw an increase in distance around sort of from mm. March, April mm. 2020. And I was certainly looking for something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I was allowed out, I probably wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> I see, right. Yeah, yeah. It's so busy and so in demand. <laughs> um, on the topic of fungi mm. um i don't know if you heard this one kevin or i guess you guys may have um but it was a while ago i went truffle hunting yeah. and i have to say that is one of the most incredible things i've ever done in my life i mean it was i mean who does that going off and finding incredible truffles and get paid for it not masses oh, that was extraordinary I mean, not a lot a of money but you brilliant know. um guest you had the guy with the dog i mean he's an extraordinary he's an he's an extraordinary man anyway and his beautiful italian truffle hunting dog but not only was the day extraordinary with him and his beautiful dog but we went <laughs> that that'll be the twiglet um, <laughs> but we went back he very sweetly then cooked me oh ah yes truffles there was that in moment of an ecstatic moment that you wow. had. oh my god and I could never now, I could never go to sort of a restaurant and say, oh, could you like some shavings of truffle? No, thank you. I've actually eaten five in one go. And I can't Amazing. possibly <laughs> now just have a little shaving of one on my pasta. It's just not the same. you. <laughs> Ruined truffles for me forever in a good way. I mean, it was quite incredible. So that was definitely. Yes. Did you eat fungi that day with? Um, no, but I collect John. fungi myself. Oh, I you go do out forage. And, yeah, I've never found truffles, but I've got some. Good spots for seps and chanterelles, um, which are my, pretty much all I pick now. 
Do you, have you looked for truffles? Um, not really. Not really, because they're underground. So He did say that, you know, you can really train any dog. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a special dog. I did meet a chap locally. He could be the same person, actually. And I can't yeah, because he's from Dorset, this guy. Oh, they could be. He yeah. rescued me once. I, I got into the car, and I'd been mushroom hunting, and then I got back in the car and put my foot on the clutch, and then this, the cable just went... Mm. And so I was stuck, and then this chap appeared... And I and uh, said, I don't suppose you give me a lift. And um, we got chatting on the way home, and he was, it could have been him. He was a truffle hunter. I don't so think there's that many. It can't in that. be many. And this was. It's round your neck of the woods. It's on the Dorset. Wiltshire uh, border. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, this probably, is Dorset, Wiltshire border, so near Shaftesbury. I did well, ask him. I said, you know, is, are there places locally? And he could see him. He's twitching the car, the steering wheel started going. I said, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It did a truffle so mind trick on you, sort of. Yeah. It went a bit rogue male for a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. he did say that he knew. He said that within three miles he could take me to four different places. Yeah. And find truffles. Yeah. But he said Wiltshire was the place. Yeah, amazing. The beech woods of Wiltshire. And he says they're better than you know, Italian. And, and really? just untouched. Yeah, there's so many. Which just really, oh. really. Deli- oh my god, they're so delicious. They are amazing. That's episode forty-five. That's twenty twenty. So we were talking oh, so like, a yeah, while ago, okay. yeah. We're wow. out, we're out was... to, and, and, um, and the, um, the Rogue Mail was 65, episode 65, so we're talking, yeah, So not this year, which we should be talking about. So mm. that was before mm. lockdown, mm. truffle hunting. Mm. So, Way yeah. before we even knew about that C word, which I'm not yeah. going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> Any uh, favourite Tanner that you've edited, talked, chatted about, or... I picked a favourite moment. I didn't pick a favourite podcast because they're all our children. Um, (laughs) My favourite moment this year was from episode 121, and it was you and Sarah Williams in a graveyard. Oh, yes. What were you you doing in there? (laughs) Well, exactly. Well, it was late night. I don't remember that one. Um, On the butt fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were raising the dead. And we were... So Sarah works for Who Do You Think You Are magazine. Well, you can, you can tell the story. No, you can tell the story because oh. it's your podcast. So Sarah is just a brilliant person anyway. She's just absolutely full of energy and full of knowledge and just a joy to be around. So she really brings that energy to the chat. But about 10 minutes into the podcast, she starts translating this gravestone. So it just looks kind of like a piece of masonry. And then she begins to say, well, this part means this and this part means this. And it's just, it completely changes how you imagine you would spend time in a churchyard. They suddenly stop being pieces of stone and start being people's stories, people's life stories. Um, And it really changed things for me. But um, this one has got, um, on the left, there's a weeping willow. I mean, it just looks like a tree, but it was normally a weeping willow. You yeah, can imagine yeah. the sort of tragic feel that a weeping willow has. So if you see a tree, that's usually what it's supposed to be. Um, and it's got a branch has broken off. That's very not damaged. Yeah, yeah, it's not damaged from the been, ivy. Um, been cut, it's been cut a, off. Yeah, very sad looking branch, actually. It is a very, downcast. it is, oh, it yeah. is, weeping, definitely yeah. weeping. So that's been cut off, and, and that, that will be uh, saying that someone died young, you know, before their time. And you'll see that symbolism um, right. with all sorts of things. You have a pillar that's cut or uh, a, an arrow sometimes that's broken, 
things that are cut or broken, that is someone ending before their prime. Before yeah. their prime. Have you been spending a lot of time in graveyard since? I haven't since. Not a lot of time. A normal amount of time, I would say. A normal amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite a lot of time then. <laughs> Jack, how about you? Have you been there? As our chief producer, well, our producer, not just chief, our only producer, um, have you, you've listened to them all? Are there any sort of standout sort of moments that you... Well, um, I was looking for the number. Um, typically, I can't find them. <laughs> uh, I've got to say, well, personally, my favourite, the ones where I've been able to get out oh, yeah. with you. So Malvern was a nice one. Um, and then obviously me and you, Fergus, uh, when we went out, and that was sort of the first time I'd seen someone in person since. Oh. <laughs> oh, was that on the levels? Was yeah, it, yeah. I so really was, enjoyed that. Was it really disappointing? No, no, it was <laughs> great. I mean, the, the whole day was, it was lovely weather. We nearly missed the the whole reason we went for <laughs> trying to get the bit and boom, and we nearly oh, missed it. Oh, because it's 101, episode 101. Yeah. Grass snakes. Grass oh, snakes. Yeah. Scott, you, you were spotting grass snakes. You've yeah, got yeah. young man's eyes. I, could, I, I just heard the sort of plop and the slither. <laughs> Vanished, but you were saying, "Oh, there it is." Uh, well, after the disappointment, Jack was chucking stones. Rumbled. But I think that that was really. I, I saw so much that day that yeah. more than I expected to see. And for someone that spends most of the time after stay inside editing audio, <laughs> being able to get out and spectacular spring day. Actually, yeah, it was, it was really nice. In fact, we hardly heard any bittens booming. In fact, always when we switched off the equipment, as all I mean, it always, <laughs> it's like. Your fishing tails. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they would start mm. booming. And then. Um, Can you do a bitten, please, Fergus? Uh, no, it's more. Oh, it's, bad. Mm. Yeah. Something, something between that. Anyway, that was, that was close. Does yeah. that sound. Good I enough? could find it. I could find the sound again and play it now. That's it. You think, oh, suddenly it's it's like a nightjar. It just happens, rises night jars up. Are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. A bit and boom, nightjars. You can almost feel a bit and boom. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like that vibrating yeah. sound. Yeah, you feel it in your chest. Yeah, that was a funny day because there were so many other birders out there, all looking for their own target species, and some. And there were so many incredible things to see, from you know, wide variety of ducks, raptors, and, but this poor couple who were desperate to see bearded tits. They just hadn't seen any, and um, <laughs> you're so cruel. I can't believe you're laughing. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm not laughing. It was more. I mean, we had a bitten circling overhead, and they don't often leave nice. the shelter of their. And I'd never seen one in Britain, in the flesh. I've heard them booming, but never seen one. So it was for me, it was you know, mm. they had lifetime tick, but they were just no. It had to be these bearded tits. And there weren't any around, so they were they just were kind of cross and wanting. To... Oh, I see. So oh, there was no. a bitten flying around, yeah. and they were like, "Nope, no, that's not what we can't came even to see, see it." it. Uh, Our so eyes are saved. I the really blinked. <laughs> yeah, I really hope they did see see them because I, I hope think they, they didn't actually. Merry Christmas! Then they'll learn. That they'll realise that there was so much else to enjoy. Mm. Yeah, I was. It is, it is an incredible place. I went a couple of weeks after you recorded that, Shin, and it's just the most astonishing habitat. Yeah. It's quite overwhelming. I think the, the amount of stuff, and we recorded way too much. Yeah. yeah. We had like it's hours. It's really of... hard edit, actually. In fact, it's better to have minimal 
kind of success mm. and then you have one thing to target on whereas I mean the the settees is it settees or chetties chetties we keep having this I know well, I'd always is. said chetties and then I thought you were saying settees on the mm. recording and, and I did ask in Italian and it's chetties okay chetties I apologize yeah, hard to uh, everybody for my you offended every, all the Italian audience. You might have noticed know, the figures yeah. have dropped. It's absolutely yeah. gone right <laughs> Since down. then. Yeah. We do have listeners in Italy. Um, we can see every country in the world where we have, I think we have but, some in, in some quite obscure. You yeah, did have listeners. You, well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all gone now. Yeah. Um, Chessie's Warblers. Amazing. So loud. Oh, the, the noise, yeah. And the noise of everything there. It's just, and it's testament to the fact that yeah. if the habitat's right yeah. and the bottom levels are right, then everything comes. And the idea that, I mean, it's what, 10, 12 years ago, there were no bitterns, there were, you yeah. know, there were no great white egrets anywhere. And now this year, there's sort of 35 pairs of great white egrets just on Hamwall and Chatwick Heath, I think, and yeah. 50 old bitterns. And, yeah, it's and, great to celebrate a success story like that. Yeah, Because we've definitely. covered a lot of really sad declines and losses of habitats and things over, over the last three years. So, I mean, fair play to the people of the you know, the various farmers as well as conservationists who work together to yeah. create a really magical landscape. So, Bitten's Booming, is there anything you'd like to hear next year, Jack? Any... There's been, there's, I feel there's quite a few weird sounds in nature. Um, I think it was the night jars, they yeah. had that sort of like electronic y sort of sound. Yeah. I like kind of stuff like that where I think I've probably still got it, but I think a lot of people have that perception that all of nature sounds all like little tweety pretty mm. beautiful little things but i think there are some sort of not nasty but uh <laughs> a bit more gritty and creepy and odd sounds yeah, yeah. my friend chris described nightjar just described a, more than one nightjar singing as an industry of nightjars mm. which is quite a good description that's chris yates yeah. should name check him oh yeah yeah it would be nice to he, yeah, we do. That could be something next year as well. We'll yeah. go hunt hen harrier hunting. Hen harrier hunt. Well, well let's let's phrase oh, that slightly different. We'll go looking for hen harriers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Annabelle, you have your own separate podcast, don't you? Oh, Maybe yes. you should tell everyone about because I um, think it's high time we told. Well, it's actually how we met, really, yes. or yeah. that's how we were introduced. And That's right. We were at then a you farm, called me and said, we? "Yeah, yeah um, Yo Valley." Mm. Yeah. And then you said, "Oh, could you come in for a coffee?" And I thought, "Oh, that's brilliant. He's really interested in messages from the wild." But no, <laughs> it's very good. Well done. But actually, we like <laughs> <laughs> like you to come and help us on country farm. I was really pleased, by the way. It was fun because I, I messages from the wild is where you interview it. various animals. Mm. So uh, messages from the wild is a way of exploring the world of wildlife by asking experts to become the animal they are an expert in for five minutes. And I talk to them very seriously about their life as that animal and they answer in the form of the animal. Mm. And um, I actually was interviewing a beaver just today. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm really pleased because obviously beavers are quite um, controversial. Mm. And so when you hear it from the beaver, it really is much more meaningful <laughs> when they can stand up for themselves and say, actually, we don't eat fish. Yeah, that's um, one of the great beaver mm. fallacies, isn't it? Yeah, we, they're, 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 you know, vegetarians and herbivores, perhaps we should say. And um, so, yeah, Messages in the Wild is actually, it is going somewhere. It's going 
into um, so I've got a podcast of about thirty animals. Yeah, you've top... interviewed wood lice and you've interviewed sort of big sort of like megafauna and microfauna. <laughs> I haven't done a wood louse yet, oh, and no, I'm so really longing to do a wood louse. I've done an earthworm, earthworm. Uh, a Scottish midge was a very funny one. That was really <laughs> funny. Um, otter, adder. The adder is just stunning. Great crested newt, a seagull, a peregrine falcon, a, t- a, t- a barn owl. I mean, anyway, I won't go through the list, but um, the Lost Gardens of Heligan down in Cornwall have commissioned me to do some for them oh, brilliant. in the Lost Gardens of Heligan. So when I talk to the animals there, I'm talking to them about Heligan. So where will we find you in Heligan? Say, so, oh, well, no, I'm down in the Lost Valley or whatever it is. So I'm very lucky to actually be um, commissioned to do them, aside from the podcast itself, which I completely adore, and I could just do it forever and ever and ever, but you have to earn money somewhere. Um, but yeah, that's... yeah, we must pay you sometime. <laughs> no, you do. You do pay me occasionally. Uh, but talking about noises, Jack, you were talking about um, noises when I just did the recording with Robert McFarlane in uh, Cambridge Anglesey Abbey. There's a Winter Lights tour exhibition thing going on in the Abbey, and they have a lot of noises there. And one of them was two badgers fighting. Oh, that's, that's an amazing! Quite sense. a sound. Yeah. I mean, this is record pre-recorded you know, done by a wildlife recordist. And it's pretty scary, actually. I mean, of course it would be, I suppose. Any animals fighting and screaming would be quite a scary noise, but particularly badgers. And foxes is quite a haunting sound mm. as well. Mm. But I do love hearing foxes. And you hear them quite a lot in Bristol, obviously. Yeah. Yes, we've not we've not really captured the blood-curdling sound of foxes in the podcast. No. It's this time of year. We're recording now in early, well, mid-December. It would have to be a night safari Mm-hmm. And it's a bit cold for that. So we, get, we get badgers fighting outside. and, and You do? Yeah, and it is incredible. It's not nice, and is it, to hear? I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It's but vicious, though. You yeah. Can, it's fur flying. but we And we get, yeah, not for a little while. The foxes are a bit later, sort of January, late January, they might start. Okay, so maybe we will set a challenge now to try and capture a whole mm-hmm. load of curious mm-hmm. and blood-curdling sounds of the wild and bring it together in a single podcast sometime do we get a prize? Yeah, you get paid. Well, packet, <laughs> packet of twiglets. Yeah, packet of gold, yeah. Or, or, or marshmallows, which are much better for audio. But marshmallows would be a bit quieter, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, yeah. For I noticed no one else has had a twiglet. <laughs> uh, they're too far away. <laughs> um, but can I just say that I am really looking forward to next year, us doing the beaver interview. Yes, having talked about beaver, having yeah. interviewed a beaver. Well, I interviewed right. a beaver itself, but yeah. now interviewing someone about beavers, which is probably a bit more sensible. Ooh. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that because I do think that they, the, the person I was interviewing as a beaver today after the interview was saying that she um, is, she feels quite emotional about, about the fact that beavers can make a huge difference to the future of the biodiversity of this country. Mm, so it's, a huge, incredible. it's yeah. a huge, huge thing and it's only just starting. And I mean, there's a lot of, as you said, there's lots of controversy and actually yeah. we've got an angler in the room. Mm. Kind of put you on the spot about yes, this. yeah. How do you, as an angler, because I I've met many furious anglers and many non-furious anglers, I must say. But I've, when on the subject of beavers, I've had some quite juicy conversations with. Um, yeah, well, personally, I I'm a pro beaver person, but I can understand why a lot of anglers are worried. About the impact it might have on some anglers are worried 
um, about chalk streams, perhaps, which has been one of the noises that's been made. Chalk streams, okay. Because it's such a delicate habitat um, and any sort of damming could impact. And just to have beavers going wherever they wanted, that might that might have an impact on that habitat, which is, you know, internationally vital. But equally, I think in a lot of... Um, a lot of areas. I mean, the benefits are huge, and we've got we've got some locally, and I think uh, sort of endorse it. And I think part of the well, or, or straight away, there's benefits occurring. Where, you know, they've they've built the dam. Yeah, within two days, they've they've Amazing. started constructing, and and you get these lovely wetland areas, and then it's really good for fish because you get more invertebrate life. You get which is so lacking, and there's so many problems with our rivers. Oh gosh, down to lack. that's the most depressing problem in yeah Britain today is the pollution so, of our rivers. Exactly, sure. anything that just slows the river down gives it a bit more chance, gives it more, you know, gives the the, the flora more chance to mm. grow, and then the invertebrate life, which is what the fish need. And the chalk streams are already in dire straits, aren't they? I mean, they are, and they're not. They're, I mean, the water is so important with chalk streams. So. Mm. Um, as long as you've still got the chalk, you'll still get that clap that you know the mm. amazingly pure water mm. and the, the temperature levels. But obviously there are impacts on it. But a beaver damming potentially mm. a little mm. tributary could increase sediment. Could just but it, it, in which case, hopefully there'll be you know things put in place to you know remove them or, or mm. yeah, you can make, there's, there's lots of plans on there to mm. remove problem beavers. I think that's it. Yes, exactly. And I think that well, they've only just arrived. I know. We're well, I think, removing I think, them already. I think anglers. I'm just wearing my sort of hat, angling hat, from that perspective, and thinking, ang- the anglers that are upset or worried will be um, much less worried if they were if they knew that there was a contingency in place for, mm. you know, if there were problems coming. Yeah, and that everybody's just needs, being listened to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but overall, and I did hear. I mean, I know quite a few anglers who are also sort of pro, pro beaver, and um, one of them did tell me he went to a meeting. He's been involved in Kent, um, where there are beavers that have found their way into the. This is going back a few years, but he said he went to a meeting and there was someone there who was saying, "I will never have beavers on my land," and um, and he just quietly smiled because they'd actually been on this land for 15 years. Oh, brilliant. No, I like know. to hear that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, well, next spring, hopefully, we'll have some more information about beavers. Really I think that's it. It's fear as much as anything and yeah. the unknown. Lack and, of knowledge, and exactly. Lack of, yeah, which is, and that's totally understandable. As with think, anything, and yeah. fair enough, and change and all that kind of thing. And But I I don't know. I just got excited today when I... When totally. I was, no, I mean, based on what I'm really, really excited too. Yeah. I think, yeah... It's, yeah. it's something that could be so positive for the entire environment um, mm. and anything that, that's naturally occurring can then do something that's... And there's a noise I'd really like to hear. Slapping of a beaver's tail, which they do as a warning, apparently, when you, you know, if you come and disturb them, they'll... Yeah. They'll warn the other beavers. It's like with Fergus Gunn saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the noise that you'd like to hear that you haven't heard? Um, absolutely from the heart. I want to hear a nightingale next year. I have mm. heard it before. I have heard singing nightingales and in some good numbers, but many years ago. Mm. And when Kev recorded nightingales down in Alma's Gorse in Dorset, it was like hearing I, just 
joy, pure joy. It was a very emotional podcast and beautiful, just capturing them. Was that just... the one with you two where you were waiting and waiting and waiting? No, that and was, um, what was that? No, that was a failed, <laughs> one of the great podcasts, that. Um, <laughs> I think but that's it was the two of you, one. wasn't it? Or no, was it, it was James Fair, oh. uh, who's, uh, who we, I've done many adventures with. In fact, he and I this year went to capture the seven boar. That, I did, loved that episode. Yeah, it's great. I thought that was really, brilliant. Really and the big cat one, which I listened to this week. Yeah, the big cats. Again, we, we solved the local big cats. We <laughs> did, did. Although it was good to leave it on a, a kind of... Yeah, we found another story. Yeah, too. which is which is good, but, but he's, yes, he's great, a uh, good naturalist. And we, we went to a place called Heinem Woods, which six, seven years ago, James recorded 12 uh, nightingales there. And this is the sadness, is that there were two last year. And it's very likely that within two or three years, there won't be any. And they've done everything they can there to create the scrubby habitat and keep the right things in and the wrong things out. And, mm. And it's been, it's just at the very fringe of their natural range. So, as you said, it's like little pools drying up across the country. Yeah. And that's, that's the, you know, they're just disappearing from Wiltshire, from Gloucestershire, Somerset, pulling themselves back. Then you get a story like NEP, the rewilding uh, estate in Sussex, where they've had a boom of, mm. of um, nightingales because they've created the right habitat and it's still within the range. So... As you say, creating the right habitat gets that sort of, you do get results. Um, but other sounds I would like to hear, whistle of an otter. Mm. Never captured that, never heard it. I think you have to go out at night for that. Um, I've heard them in the day, especially right. with um, when they've got young mother and cubs, they'll be very vocal. Okay, because I see them quite often on the local river, the Usk, but I've never heard them whistling. So. I think a, a couple on the Stour that I am, um, regularly encountered on fishing and they will um it's the whistle that will often draw your attention and then they'll you know come yeah. through the swim and as a, again as a fisherman i'm i'm more than happy to see otters and then a lot a lot, so lot we, of people this aren't. podcast could be three hours long before we <laughs> yeah. tackle the otter no yeah and the other thing i'd love to I, there's this really rare bird that is occasionally seen in east Anglia and a few set up um territories sing it's the golden oriole yeah mm. which is in my observer's book of birds which is my sort of key they've gone drug. now from east anglia the, the breeding population they come and sing just yes. i think i've yeah. seen the one in east africa you would do it probably yeah, yeah that's where they they hang yeah. out in that yeah when they're not sort of trying to get here yeah but they it has a really beautiful fluting song and uh amazing yeah. yellow golden yes Oh, well, there we go. Where's one in the room? room? Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe it. <laughs> After all these years. Um, that was so sweet. That would be, be a great thing to... Great thing to I, yeah, I could, I've heard them in Italy, but never here. Gosh, yeah. Well, you have all sorts of things flying over your house. From your, We've got a ridiculous thing. We had, had a Merlin yesterday, actually, from the lounge, which was pretty cool. And then on uh, last week, a hen harrier from the sofa, which was pretty amazing. We had an osprey earlier in the year, just from the just from, from the, the sofa. Is it? But it's we live in a, a cottage with a, the outlook is such that um, we were in the, in the wilds of Dorset, but we've got it's sort of like a punch bowl almost, and there's a ridge that comes around, and then the view's limited to sort of half a mile, and then there's a big solid ridge, so you can't see further. So anything you see is within 
easy ice shot, but also that ridge with the westerly wind, which comes down a coom to the west, mm. and then it sort of pushes against that ridge and then sends up, and the birds love it. The raptors just absolutely love it because they can just hang across the top. And you'll get the peregrines coming in, and they just go up and down and just hanging there. Um, and at the moment, the ravens are displaying over it, and they are so entertaining to watch. Male and female, they just mm. do some amazing things, and they're just um, they're flying around a lot of the time, just wingtip to wingtip. But then they'll start doing odd things. I watched the male, not this year yet, but it, it was following the female, and then just reaching out with his beak and just gripping her tail feathers <laughs> in flight. It's just incredible. That's so weird. And then they were playing a game sweet. on the fence post yesterday. One would sort of land on it, the other would land on the ground, and then they'd be doing funny things, and then they'd swap, <laughs> jump up, and it's fantastic, that's clever. So wow. Yeah, that's that's, that's the interesting thing. It isn't, and I was thinking, you know, something like Great Christie Greaves that do the amazing weed dance, um, which is incredible to watch, but it's also fairly, you know, it's a standard behaviour across the species. Whereas ravens, there's there's this cognitive thing. It's like it's progressing all the time. It's a personal relationship that's developing beyond. It's it's quite amazing. Oh, that's so beautiful. Did you film it or did you no? Oh, no. Just I just no. sit and watch. Watch exactly. Waste, just waste. watch. And add a dance would be an amazing thing oh, to God, see. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. I think I saw a film of one once, but imagine seeing that. I did come across an adder with um, Tom Cox on Dartmoor, but I had the microphone switched off. <laughs> Oh, you did see one when you were. But we saw one, yeah, basking on the on the road. Was that on your last visit up there? Yeah, on that really hot day. Yeah, Yeah. and um, you're always quite surprised because you don't really believe it's there. So you sort of carry on a bit, and then you suddenly go, "Hang on a minute, that is an adder." Mm. And then we were lucky; we stopped for a while to watch him or her, and then he or she realised that there were some humans there and thought, "Mm -mm, "I'm out of here." Stop to their sunbathing because they have to get a lot of sun in before they hibernate. I think. I don't know. Yeah, they do. That, although they, if it was a hot day, you did well to see one because they often they don't like too much heat. It was they, a really, really hot day. Wow, that's quite. Yeah. Probably a male. But it was a thought. weird time of year to be hot. When what? Do you remember? It was. It wasn't that long ago. October. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah, you. Yeah, and it was boiling, boiling, boiling hot. Um, it was there wasn't a sound to be heard on that um, podcast apart from Tom and me. Really, it was so hot. Anyway, um, <laughs> Fergus, yeah. where are you going to send Kevin and me next year? Come on, let's. let's yeah, just... yeah, that's me. Should we open some crackers first? Yeah. Okay. Before we get to okay. Freeze um, the space. Oh, that much could be gosh. They might have to be. I think we'll have to just do. I think we'll have to do that, don't you? You ready? There we go, that's a good idea. Okay. Oh, it's got one each. Oh! Did you get my present? No, I think I've got my present. Don't pull crackers with Fergus. Well, no, I normally am. Did you get my present? I was quite obsessive, wasn't I? I've got a game. These are special countryside crackers. Are they? With countryside jokes and. Ah, that's so, good. Uh, so we don't have to make up our own. <laughs> no, fortunately. You sure? I've got a very useful little blue bulldog. Oh, I've seen one of them in a cracker. Yeah. Um, what, oh, that's really useful. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you can Yeah, so handy. That's so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I will use this. It's for the really rest of my useful. Life. I've got a tape measure. Oh, well, that's oh, useful. It measures useful. adders and it smooth could, snakes. It could do. 
How long does it measure? Know, well, only up to 25 inches or 60, 64 centimetres. So odd. Do an adder, but not a smooth snake. Yeah, although it wouldn't do a, f- a big female adder would fit on it. Because we measured smooth snakes. We did. Well, you did. You measured smooth, smooth snakes. Right. I've had enough. <laughs> Just couldn't say the word smooth snake. <laughs> you can get off the floor now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm acting out the smooth snake. Uh, yeah, Kev, Kev and I went to the Dorset Heaths. Nick Dobson, Owen Masters, uh, fantastic. Yeah, it was a brilliant day out. Really what good. number was it? <laughs> no so one knows me. anymore. <laughs> what do you call a fly without wings? I'm just getting in there first with my crack Current. Joke. No. Oh. I prefer that to what I think the punchline is. That's a real insight into your character. <laughs> no. Kevin, but no, try again. Um, I think I know what it is. A walk. It's so terrible. A walk. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> a current, I like that's better. <laughs> it's not quite sad. A very good joke uh, for, a, for a cracker that has such cheap gifts. In. I don't know if I want to tell the joke I've got. Oh. It's it's not even uh, really Christmassy. Um, I don't think mine was. It's uh, what's yellow and jumps from cake to cake. It's not like what? A, something to do with marzipan. Close. Um, tarzipan. Tarzipan. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. I really oh, like I that. don't like that. <laughs> Why did the squirrel bury her lottery ticket under a bush? I don't know why the squirrel bury his lottery ticket under the bush. She was hedging her bets. Oh. oh so, back to the cracker jokes. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very good. It's Thank good. you. <laughs> so the sweet. Why did the Corvid get arrested? You are jaywalking. Ah. <laughs> you nerds. No. That's, That's a bird nerd joke. And, and a legal raven. Oh, oh no. very good. <laughs> I bet he wasn't chuffed. No, he was <laughs> um, Nothing to crow about. Oh. As you can hear, we had a very jolly time and we recorded far more than we could use here. So why not listen out for next week's episode of more festive fun, including Kevin Parr's unmissable Christmas game and the best country joke of the year. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. And have a very happy Christmas from me and all the team. Goodbye for now.